my soul has found rest. You know, our souls without God are just wandering souls, wandering everywhere to find peace. But there is a place inside of every one of us that God, our Creator, put that we will only find rest when we find Jesus. Amen. When we find Him, our soul finds rest. Are you thankful for that today? Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Take your Bibles as you remain standing. Just a few more moments. Going to read from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. It's going to be on the screen there. If I could also get it on the fallback screen as well. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Has everyone got it in their Bible today? Can you all read along? I know it's on the screen, but I'm a firm believer that if you have a weapon, you've got to know how to use it. And so I encourage some people at the beginning of the year, especially our children and our young people, to learn all the books of the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation, to learn all the books of the Bible. Because we ought to be people that know our Bible, know how to use the Word of God. The Bible says the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And so don't, you, don't let you be one of those people that doesn't know where the books are. It kind of like tells, tells me that or tells you that, well, I don't quite know how to use this weapon yet. And so maybe in 2024, here's a challenge for some of you, that you can learn all the books of the Bible, that 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, learn them all. It's a great challenge. You can do it. You can do it. Genesis, well, you're at the beginning. It's the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. And the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. Everyone say, Get thee out. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. I want to show you something in this verse. I'm not preaching on this today. But wherever there is a command, God will give a promise. Everyone say a command. Everyone say a promise. Wherever God gives a command, He will give a promise. He tells Abraham to leave and to get out of the country. And then He gives him a promise. And He says, I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, that thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So... Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. With every command, there is a blessing. And we see the promise came to Abraham and he obeyed the promise. It says, Abraham departed and did just what God had spoken to him. I want to speak on this title, Excavate to Elevate or Going to Another Level in God. The title will make sense as we go on today. But I want to go to another level in my walk with God. Let me tell you today, wherever you are, that is not the end. It's not the pinnacle. In fact, heaven is going to be heaven because it's going to be the complete and continual unfolding of God. I want to go to another level. And I, I know I could have preached this on New Year's Eve, but I think we need a bit of time to, to start making plans for what we're going to do in 24. I want to go to another level. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Lord, as your word goes forth, let it find a resting place in our hearts. 
But Lord, not that it would just rest there, but Lord, it would challenge us and change us. Lord God, put us inside of us a hunger and a thirst for more of you. For Lord God, we want to go to another level in you, in our relationship with you, God. We want to know you more. And so Lord, bless the word today as it's preached. Help me not to be a hindrance today to what you want to do here today. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone say in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I am preparing you for your spiritual New Year's resolutions. That you would make up your mind now. Everyone say now. That you'd make up your mind now what you want to do in 2024. And the most important resolutions are the resolutions, your spiritual resolutions. I believe that the Christian life, and we are Christians here today, And I'm going to tell you that I believe that the Christian life is to be a life of continued refreshing and revival. You don't just drink once of the things of God. But as Christians, we are to continually drink of the rivers of living water. We are to be continually revived. We are to be continually growing in God. Everyone say growing. My grandfather used to say and my father used to say that if we aren't green and growing, then what? We're dead and dying. And as Christians, we ought to be green and growing. God does not want us to stop pursuing Him. You see, when we are saved, when we are born again, when we come to know the Lord, we put our faith in Him, we obey His Word, we experience the new birth in our life, we are born again. But it's only a birth. It's the beginning. Everyone say the beginning. And so think of being born again simply like this, an introduction to God. You get to know God. You are introduced to Him. Your life has been changed. But it doesn't stop there. Just like anybody who gets married, they meet the person they love and it's just the beginning. That relationship is to grow and as we pursue that person, everyone say pursue. And God wants us to pursue Him. Until the day we die, a Christian life is to be the continual pursuit of God. And I'm going to tell you, we may have a lot of pursuits in life. And I'm not going to say anything about our pursuits. It's good to pursue things. It's good to be ambitious. It's good to have an education. It's good to save your money. But the greatest pursuit in life is the pursuit of God. The greatest pursuit in life is the pursuit of God. A man, because here it is, the man who has God for his treasure If you treasure God and you pursue God, the man who has God as his treasure has all things in one. Because when you have God, you've got everything you need. And so the pursuit of God is endless. And it is is the greatest pursuit. Why? And we will always be successful in our pursuit. We will always be successful. Because the Bible says, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. And so if you pursue God, you will always be successful because He is always seeking to manifest Himself to us. If we pursue Him, 
he will manifest himself to us. And so, there needs to be a holy dissatisfaction inside of us as Christians. The most dangerous thing is to become lukewarm or just to become satisfied. You see, we can become satisfied with a bunch of secondhand facts about God. So things that somebody else told us or a preacher told us or we read it in a book or I heard it at church and I heard these things about God. And you know, sometimes because we know about God, it can create this false sense of intimacy with God. There was a, a guy, his name was Dennis Wise. He was crazy about Elvis. He had Elvis everything. Everything that you could get with Elvis, he had it. He had an Elvis bedspread, Elvis, Elvis pillow. He had Elvis decals, decals on his car. He had every album that Elvis had ever written. And one day somebody said to him, do you actually know Elvis? Have you ever met him? Do you know him? He said, no, I have never met him and I don't know him. I saw him from afar once at his house but I never knew him. And so sometimes Christians, we can gather so much theological knowledge, secondhand knowledge and facts about God. And because we know so much about God, it creates this false sense of that somehow we have intimacy with God, that we have a relationship with God. And the reality is, is that we have to know about God, but don't be satisfied with only knowing about God I want you to pursue a relationship with God. Not just an introduction, but you can know God for yourself. Somebody say amen. If you've been around church the last couple of weeks, this is something I can't get past. You see, we become too easily satisfied with stories of somebody else's encounter with God, with somebody else's testimony of what God has done in their life. We are inspired, yes, by other people's walk with God and their faith and their knowledge of God and their intimate relationship with God. But that doesn't count you out. Because you can also know God in that intimate way. You can also have a relationship with God. So I guess you could say your pastor's come here today to shake you up a little bit and say it's time to go to another level in God. I don't want to be satisfied with secondhand facts and theological knowledge. I want to know God. And so the Word of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's important to know about God. It's important to know that there is a God. And that first stage of faith that we have, the first stage, comes from hearing the Word of God. And when we hear the Word, there is that faith that we have. Now, there are two groups of people here today as the Word of God is preached. There's those that mix their faith with the Word and are benefited by the Word. And then there are those that don't mix their faith with the Word, and it doesn't benefit them either, anyway. It doesn't benefit them. Why? Because they didn't mix their faith. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. There were two. But the word preached did not profit them, because it was not being mixed with faith when they heard it. And so there is a place to hear about God, to hear God's Word. But that faith in God must germinate to the point where we say, I want to seek the God that I'm reading about. I want to know the God. I just want to know the Bible, but I want to know the God of the Bible. And so as that faith 
germinates in us. The Bible says when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, when we desire that relationship with God, it says it shall be opened unto you. And so when you hear the word of God, have faith in the God that you read about. But let that faith begin to grow to the point where you say, I don't just want to know facts about God. I want to know God. I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to have an intimate relationship with Him. And so I'm very clear today that the challenge is to go to another level. Yes, initial faith comes by hearing. But there is a level of faith that can only come by knowing God in that relationship way. An unknown God, I'm going to say this again, I've said it before, an unknown God cannot be trusted. If I can say I, I trust somebody but I don't know them, you're going to get a fool. An unknown God cannot be trusted. And there's a reason why a lot of people can't have faith or trust in God is because their level of knowledge is so low. They don't have an intimate, knowing relationship with God. And so an unknown God cannot be trusted. And so this is the thing, what I point I'm trying to get across today is as you desire to know God more and as God reveals himself to you and as you know him more, your faith will grow. You will find him to be exactly what the word of God says. Not just facts, but you will experience God in your life. You'll read that he's faithful, but you'll experience it. You'll read that he's a comforter, but you'll experience it. You will read that he's a refuge and strength, but not just know about it, but you'll experience it in your life. You see, and as you experience God, you'll begin to trust him more. Your faith will grow. Everyone say another level. And so that word know in the Bible is the Hebrew word yada, or in the, in the Greek, it's the word gnosko. It's a word that means to perceive God, to learn more, to understand, to experience. It's speaking of that relationship. And this is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. I consider everything a loss. Everything. Everybody say everything. I consider everything a loss. He also used the word, I consider it all done. That's a, probably a better way to say it. Rubbish, rubbish that's right. If that's an inappropriate, inappropriate word, we can say rubbish. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so Paul wasn't talking about going to Bible college and learning lots of facts about God. He was saying, I consider everything a loss. Everything is worthless. The most important thing in my life is to know Christ Jesus, my Lord. And that word know is the Greek word, gnosko. If it was written in Hebrew, it would be the, the word yada, which is intimate knowledge. To know Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul says, this is my focus. This is my, my life's purpose. This is my pursuit in life. I want to know Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, the prophet Jeremiah said this. It's going to be on the screen. 
In Jeremiah 9 verse 23, one of my favorite scriptures, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Okay, you can have wisdom, but don't glory in your wisdom. Don't let the mighty man glory in his might. You can be a mighty person. You can have authority. You can be strong. You can have everything like that. Don't let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this. There is only one thing worth glorying in. Here it is. That he understandeth and knoweth me. This is the most important thing in our Christian life is that we know God. For I am the God which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. And here it is. Our greatest need. What did Jeremiah say? Our greatest need is to know God. But this is what I like. It says, for in these things I delight. What a recipe, Brother James. Our greatest need is God's greatest delight. Our greatest need, Brother Tendai, is to know God. His greatest delight is to reveal himself to us. And so I want to tell you today that the greatest pursuit in life is the pursuit to know God. And I want to encourage you as you prepare to go into 2024 that you would set your heart and your mind and say, I want to be closer to God. I want to know God more. I want to pursue Him. I want to be further in my relationship than I was in 2023. It's not always a comfortable thing to do to go back and look at photos of what you, where you used to be, especially when it comes to fitness. I just like to think I'm more blessed than I was. And it's also not a very comfortable thing to think where we were spiritually and where we are now because we ought to be growing. And so 2024, let it be the year where we set our heart to pursue God. You see, our greatest need is to know God and His greatest delight is to reveal Himself to us. I want to take you to a scripture in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. It's part of the Beatitudes. And, and Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a lot of churches where you'll never hear that verse preached because they don't believe that there is any blessing in being poor. But the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, why is poor in spirit something that God wants us to be? Now, obviously, there's, there's material poverty, but why is poor in spirit? We've got to try and understand that. Why would God want us to be poor at anything? You see, the poor in the spirit are the ones that recognize that they don't have anything to offer God spiritually. The poor in spirit are the humble ones that realize that, that we have really nothing, that, that we are spiritually bankrupt and our complete reliance is on God. And let me tell you, when you reach that point where you realize that you have a complete need of God, 
that you reach that place of humility that you say, look, even my righteousness is as filthy rags. Even my best deeds and best acts amount to nothing really compared to God. When we realize that we are poor in spirit, that's when the blessing comes. You see, the way to a deeper knowledge of God, the way up is down. When we humble ourselves, you can't come before God. The Bible says that they came before him in the book of Revelation, casting their crowns, bowing down before him. There they are. They realize that they are spiritually bankrupt in the presence of God. These are the poor in spirit. And though they are poor, when you think of possession spiritually, they don't have much, yet they possess all. Have you thought about that? The poor in spirit, Jesus told us, they possess all. You say poor, that means nothing. Jesus says, the poor in spirit possess all. For theirs is the kingdom of God. The way up is down. You see, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so let us come to that place where there is a hunger inside of us, a spiritual hunger, where there is a, a thirst inside of us. Let me tell you, the currency of heaven is not fullness, it's emptiness. If you come to God full, what can He do in your life? If you come to God professing to have all this and to be all this and be all that, what can God do for you? But hunger is the currency of heaven. Hunger comes from emptiness. When we realise that we are poor in spirit, when we realise that we need God more than anything else, when we realise that He is our sustenance, when we realise He is our strength, that that is when the blessing comes. That's when He reveals Himself to us. And so it's time to go to another level. Let me be frank with you today. Some of us are caught between what is and what can be. God wants to do a work in your life. Don't stagnate another year. Don't stay where you are another year. God wants you to go to another level. You see, a lot of people don't like change. How many people here can say that they don't like change? <laughs> Some people love change, but I found out very quickly you know, when I went to university, we, we, I worked in information systems. So it was basically about re-engineering businesses, uh, taking away manual things and making everything computer-based, processing and things like that. And so I, we used to do a lot of change management, change management about bringing people on the journey to change. Anyone ever heard of change management? It was a flop. People don't like change. We tried to move somebody from one chair to another and they went away on stress leave. Moving sections, changing bosses. People don't like change. In fact, here is, here is a statistic I read. Most people live the majority of their life within a 20-kilometer radius. They don't venture very often outside that 20-kilometer radius. Everything just happens within that 20-kilometer radius. And I guess that is part of our human nature, but uh, very often what can happen is we'll bring the, the natural into the spiritual and many times we're happy just to stay the same in God. 
to stay at the same level, the same order. Even in church, we like the same order. We like the same tradition. We like the same songs. And very often, we're just happy just to stay. We don't like to venture outside of the limits of what we're used to. We become comfortable. But God says, I want to take you to another level. So I'm here to make you uncomfortable today. I'm sorry. I should have put tax on everyone's seats. So if you got comfortable, you know, if you just kind of rested a little bit, that thing would prick you and remind you that God wants to take you to another level. Elijah went to another level. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19 to 21. We know that Elijah came and he put his mantle on Elisha. And Elisha got that double portion of the Spirit of God that was on Elijah. And there was Elisha. He was there with his 12 yoke of oxen and he's plowing the field with his yoke of oxen. And Elijah comes past and he puts his mantle on Elisha. And that, that mantle was symbolic of what God wanted to do in Elisha's life. That mantle was symbolic. God was telling Elisha, I've got something more for you than just plowing a field with 12 oxen. And so what did he have to do to walk into his destiny with God? What did Elisha have to do? He had to leave some things behind. In verse 21 of 1 Kings 19, it says, Then he went back and he took all of his plowing equipment and he, that, thought that was the firewood. For what? For the fire that he was about to make. He cut it all up. He made a fire. He burned all the oxen. Why? Because to go to another level in God, sometimes you've got to leave some things behind. And some of us can't go to another level. Why? God's calling us, but our grip is so tight on the things of the past. We're holding so tight on, on our comforts, on our identity, our own self-image, all of that thing. We just got, we got such a, a hold on it. And God's saying, come on. But we're holding so tight. Let me tell you, if, if you want to go to another level, you've got to leave some things behind. And some of you, what's stopping you is you're, you're cherishing things which are from your past and they're not part of your destiny. Elisha, where I want to take you, you don't need those oxen. You don't need those plows. Go back and burn them. Why? Why do you have to burn them? So there was going to be no temptation to go back to the old life. Some of you got to leave some things behind if you want to go to the next level. Of course, we've got to leave sin behind. Everyone say sin. Of course, you've got to leave unforgiveness. You see, even unforgiveness is something that holds us back. In fact, we can't even be forgiven of sin if we cannot forgive those who have sinned against us. Distractions, wrong attitudes, wrong ambitions. Before God can take you to another level over the next couple of weeks, I want you to begin to think about the things. Let God speak to you about the things that you've got to leave behind. Go and burn the plow. Burn the oxen and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not exactly sure where it leads, but I know him. I know he's a good God. I know he's gracious. I know he's a God that blesses. I'm going to pursue him. And God took Elisha to another level. God used him mightily. You see, Abraham in our text went to another level. One of the greatest men in history was the patriarch Abraham. We read in our text they call him the father of everybody who believes, the father of the faithful. And he went to another level in God. He went 
Everywhere his foot went, it says, I'm going to give it to you, Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. Abraham went to another level, and he was called of God to come out of his comfort zone. Everyone say comfort zone. why Why are comfort zones comfort zones? Let me tell you why. Because they're not demanding. They don't require anything of us. It's just comfortable. We're in our comfort zone. Our comfort zone is relaxing. It's easy. And you know, Abraham was in his comfort zone. He was with his kindred. He was in a place that he had known for so long. And God says, come on, Abraham, I want to bless you. It's time to go to another level. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. Abraham, this is not your destiny. You have become, and you know, very often we become stagnant in our comfort zone. We become unproductive. How many people have got a comfortable chair where you'd like to just chill and do nothing? Yeah, that's good. That's all right. I'm not going to preach against that because I got one too. (laughs) My comfort zone. And when I get there, it's good. But if I stay there too long, we can become stagnant. We become unproductive. And as nice as it is, after time, it can even become boring. And God says to Abraham, he says, I got more from you. I want to bless you. I want to take you to another level. You see, one of the most challenging things in life, write this down if you're taking notes. One of the most challenging things in life is to say no to the good so we can say yes to God's best. I know it's good. I know the comfort zone is comfortable and easy, but one of the the things we've got to get to is to say no to the good, to say no to the good options and say yes to God. I'll say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey. I know, God, you've got my best interests. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to pursue you. Abraham went to another level. Ruth, the Moabite. The story of Ruth is an amazing story. This heathen Moabite woman went to another level. She even became part of the lineage of Christ. Why? Because she stepped out of her comfort zone. She didn't settle for the boundaries of her native land. She didn't settle for the boundaries of her comfort zone. And she proclaimed to Naomi. Naomi said, I'm going to Judah. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following thee. Don't push me away. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and thy God, my God. And you know, Ruth went to another level. She discovered the God of Israel. She knew God. She entered into her destiny with God. She entered the lineage of Christ a Moabite woman a heathen was never meant to really be there but because she followed the call of God she went to another level that's three people that said yes but there's a man named Lot everyone say Lot Lot settled for a familiar and a small place judgment was centered on Sodom and Gomorrah God came to Lot. He said, Lot, I'm going to give you a way of escape. The merciful God said, Lot, I'm going to give you a way of escape. I'm going to get you out of these sinful twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Genesis 19, we read about it. And when morning arose, the angels came to Lot, 
saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters which are here, lest you be consumed. Lot, it's time to get out of here. And look at verse 16. And while, it's a bit hard to read that, but if, if you read it in your Bible, sorry. And while he lingered, everyone say he lingered. God was calling him out, but Lot lingered. The men laid upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and the hand of his two daughters. Yes, the Lord being merciful unto him. So he lingered, but the mercy of God reached out and said, don't be stupid, Lot. Grab Lot and took him outside of the city. In his stupidity, God was still merciful to him. Then look at this. Verse 17, it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Lot, I brought you out through my mercy. Now I'm telling you, run, escape. And what does he say? Don't stay here in the plain. He said, escape to the mountain. You can see that in verse 17. Escape to the mountain. And what did Lot say? The first time he lingered, but this time he says, oh, not so, my Lord. I'm not gonna go there. He says, Behold, now thy servant has found grace in thy sight. Verse 20, look at this. In verse 19, he says, I cannot go to the mountain. I cannot go to the next level, lest some evil take me and I die. And then Lot says in verse 20, Behold, now, what about this city which is close by? What about this city which is close by? It's a little one. Everyone say a little one. God's calling him to the mountain. And Lot says, what about this little place that is close by? Can't I go there? Let me tell you, the Bible says he lingers. Abraham stepped out of his comfort zone and God blessed him. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. She followed Naomi. She stepped out of her comfort zone and she went to another level. Elisha went back and burned the plow and he went to another level. But Lot went nowhere. Why? Because he lingered. And the mercy of God came to him again. And he said, come on, Lot, go to the mountain. He said, I'm happy just to be here on the plain. Can't I stay in this little place right here? My purpose today is to encourage you to go to another level in your walk with God. <laughs> it doesn't end at salvation. There's a wonderland of glory there's a wonderland of glory beyond just being born again. Write that down if you're taking notes. There's a wonderland of glory beyond just being born again. And so there is Lot. He compromises going to another level just to stay in a little place. How do I go to the next level? This is where I get to the excavate bit. To build a high building to go to another level, you have to make sure the foundations are there. In Genesis 26, and I'm getting ready to finish, it says, there was a famine in the land. Genesis 26, verse one. There was a famine in the land in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went up unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down to Egypt. God said to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I am going to tell you. Everyone say, sojourn. 
Isaac, stay in the land that I'll tell you. In verse 3 it says, Sojourn in this land, Isaac, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give you all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Verse 6 says, The temptation because the famine. Everyone say a famine. There was a famine where he was in Gerar. The temptation was go to Egypt. But God said, stay in the land that I'm going to tell you. And so verse 6 says, Isaac dwelt in Gerar. You see, there is often a temptation that when things get difficult, that we just change locations, that we just go somewhere else. That we try something new. But God said to Isaac, he said, I know that there's a famine in the land, but I'm telling you to stay where you are. Isaac was the head of his family. He had wife, he had servants, many people depended on him. He had a lot of responsibility. And in his mind, he's thinking, I've got to go to Egypt. I've got to somehow get relief for my family. I've got to go to Egypt. And God says, stay. Now, the Bible says something interesting in verse 17 of Genesis 26. It says, And Isaac departed, and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he stayed there. Everyone say he was obedient. And Isaac began to redig the wells of his father. He stayed there, and his father had dug some wells. The enemy had come, and the enemy had filled them in. And Isaac said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to start redigging some wells. And as he began to redig the wells, let me tell you, they, the enemy strived against them. Now, here's my message today excavate to elevate. Some of you think, I got to go to another level in God. I got to change all this, got to change that, got to change my job. Change my relationship. Got to get more money. No, God says, no, stay. Stay and redig the wells. Because some of you have got wells that have been filled in by the enemy. Your sustenance is not going to be somewhere else. Your sustenance is there, right where you are, if you just redig those wells. Redig the well of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Where is God? Well, have you been praying? You've been seeking His face? I know the enemy's come and filled that well in. But before you go to another level, you've got to excavate. You're going to have to redig the well of prayer. What about the well of faithfulness to God in everything in our life? What about the, the, the well of our fellowship? What about the well of the Word of God? What about the well of, of serving God? giving of our talents and our time and our treasure. You see, the, the way to go to the next level in God, first you've got to excavate. You've got to begin to dig out those wells that the enemy has filled in. And in 2023, the enemy's been at work in your life. He's filled in those wells which once brought you life. But now they're filled in and you're thirsty and there's a famine in the land. Let me tell you, you don't have to go to another land. Just redig the wells. The Bible says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We know a lot about Abraham. We know a lot about Jacob. We don't know a lot about Isaac. 
But Isaac followed in his father's footsteps and he redug his father's wells. Why did he follow in his father's footsteps? It might have been because that day when they went to the mountain to sacrifice, he heard the voice of God for himself. He saw the ram in the thicket and said, that's enough for me. Everybody say, redig the wells. If you want to go to the next level in God, you've got to redig the wells. In verse 22, when it says, and he removed from thence and digged another well. He's digging all these wells. And for that, the enemy did not strive. And he called the name of that well Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us. Let's all stand. He dug that last well, the well of Rehoboth. And he says, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful. Everybody say in the land. <laughs> the third well was the well of blessing. And God put Isaac in a large place. I've come to encourage you today that God wants you to go to another level. Don't stagnate another year. Don't backslide another year. God wants and He's calling you to another level. There are some wells in your life and I don't have to call them all out because you know what they are. There are some wells in your life that the enemy has been and he has filled those wells in. And God is saying, just redig those wells and I'll make room for you. I will bless you. Don't look anywhere else. You can stay right where you are because your provision is there if you'll just redig the wells. Because any great building you see, the higher it goes, the deeper the foundation. Great men and women of God are people that have excavated, redug the wells, people of prayer people that have had done the hard work of digging even in the face of the enemy sister mercy that would strive against us they redug the wells when nobody else was redigging when everyone was laughing they were redigging the wells when it was hard they were redigging the wells when they didn't have strength they were redigging the wells why because they wanted to go to another level in god redig the wells. Rehoboth was the last well that Isaac dug. And the Lord says, I have made room for you. Right here, Isaac, right now, under your feet. I want to tell you today, church, listen to me. And I prophesy, right here and right now, under your feet, there is a fountain. Under your feet, there is a spring of water. Under your feet, there is a spring of water ready to burst forth. I know that you feel like you're in a barren place. But sing, oh barren. The waters will flow forth. I'm speaking to somebody today. If you will begin to sing in your circumstance, if you'll begin to seek God in your circumstance, if you'll begin to redig those wells that the enemy has filled in, that God will make room for you and God will bless you. Stop looking over the horizon for the next thing. God says, I'll bless you right where you are if you redig the wells. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This whole, this whole church is going to be an altar today because not one of us is excluded from this altar call today because the clarion and clear call of God is to go to another level. And I pray 
that there's a holy dissatisfaction inside of you. If you're satisfied, you say, oh, that's good. I just want to go home and have lunch, Pastor. Please, just leave me alone. Well, it's all right. You can stay there. But I believe there's somebody here that says, I want more of God. Can we lift our hands right now? That's a sign of surrender. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I know you want to bless me. Oh God, Lord, help us to redig those wells, to excavate, Lord God, so that we may elevate our relationship with you. Lord God, to redig the wells of your word. Lord, that we would, that Lord, your light, your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, even when we taste of your word, it can be bitter in our mouth, but but sweet to us, oh God. Lord, because you're changing us. Oh God, from glory to glory, you're changing us. God, through your word, help us to redig the well of prayer in our lives, oh God. Lord, help us to redig the well of commuting with you in that place of prayer. Not just coming to you, Lord, because we got needs and things that we want. But Lord, we'd be like Adam and Eve before the fall, that they just commune with God just to be with you. Oh God, that we would redig the well of prayer. Help us to redig the well of fellowship, oh God, to find fellowship amongst other believers where we can find strength and encouragement, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord, help us to redig the well of faithfulness. Help us to redig the well of giving to you, Lord God, not just in our finance, but our talents, the things that you've created us with. Lord, our treasures, Lord God, our time, that we'd redig that well. Help us to redig the well, oh God, Lord God of. Lord, be faithful to your house. Lord God, to be here in church. Lord God, to hear from your word. Help us to redig the well, oh God, of being filled with the Spirit. Lord God, some of us have become dry, Lord God. Refill us afresh and anew as we drink of the rivers of living water. Help us, oh God, to redig and to excavate, oh God, again. Because we know, Lord, you'll make room for us. We know that you will bless us in this land. Love you, Jesus. Oh God, help us to leave the things behind like Elisha. Help us to pursue you like Ruth pursued Naomi. Oh God, we love you, Jesus. Help us to step out of our comfort zones like Abraham. Oh God, and to leave our kindred. Lord God, Lord, to follow you and to pursue you. Hallelujah. Let's just pray right now. Oh yes. Oh God, God is calling us. Hallelujah. Oh, I know this is what God is speaking. I want to tell somebody today there is a well right under your feet right now. Right where you are, if you would redig, the wells of living water will spring up. 